second day of Christmas, Moose brings to me. Returning is Hayden Newman to discuss the home media release of Reunion from Hell 2. Welcome, Horror Hounds, to another installment of the 13 Horrifying Days of Christmas. I'm your host and gift giver, Moose. Today's gift is a gift of a reunion. Not just any reunion, but a reunion from hell. That's right, we are talking about our one of our favorite independent films, Reunion from Hell 2. And who better to do that than the writer, director, and actor from the movie, Hayden Newman. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How have you been? Pretty good, you know, just steadily working. <laughs> so, yeah, Reunion from Hell 2 should be coming up on a uh, public physical release sh- soon. Yes, um, I'm getting ready to start, pre- <clears throat> excuse me, pre-orders for that. And if they want, if you want to pre-order, you can contact me through my Facebook or my Instagram and we can set it up um and then it'll be going to streaming soon too uh sam hodge who is my co-director um is almost done finishing up the closed captioning for it to be sent off to the company that sends the film out to all the streaming platforms so as you listen to this feel free to send sam some ice for his knuckles yes um, when I talked to him today, he had typed 1,056 words of dialogue, and he was only at 77 minutes of the film, and the film runs 98 minutes. That is insane. And since the last time we talked, the first movie has been picked up on a number of streaming services. Yes, it has. Um, it's currently on Tubi. It's on Vudu slash Fandango. It's on Apple TV. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, that's just the ones that come straight to mind. It's on. You can find it if you type in, you know, Reunion from Hell. Finding it to watch is very easy. <laughs> I say it, it. It's definitely on all the big ones. And yes. it's, like you said, it's easy to find. It's go out and watch it before two comes out as, as, as a refresher, because it's in, in the sequence, it's, it's the appetizer as it were to the story. You know, it, 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 it placates your taste buds. It, it lays out the character development. It, it, it tells you who everybody is. It gives you the backstory. Yes, and that was extremely important for me when we were doing one, was to lay out the backstories for these characters so you did care about the characters and you know who these characters are. That way, when we got to two, you know who the characters are, you know their history, and obviously in between one and two, there's been some more history added They've changed a little bit, but you could jump right into the story into. And jump in, you do. And I've had the pleasure of watching two a few times, actually. And I 
can't you know say enough nice things about it i i'm actually looking forward to hearing what the public has to say about it because in my opinion as far as sequels go this this is your empire this is a thousand times better than the first movie which thank you that is a huge compliment um i never set out to make it better than the first movie but i knew going into a sequel uh, you know typically sequels are not as good as the first movie so i knew going into a sequel we had up the ante we had to up the story we had to you know do everything bigger well and not just bigger but i i think you guys worked a lot of the kinks out in the first movie. And yes. yeah, and I'm sure, you know, we've talked about that one of the other times we've talked about this movie, but you know, now having watched the movie, you know, the cinematography's better. The you know, your writing has, you know, the writing has improved, the acting has improved. Cuz if you remember when you and I got together way back on the 13 days to talk about the first reunion. Yes. That that was one of my biggest critiques about the movie was, you know, the campy dialogue and, you know, just stuff like that. That really isn't in the second movie. It is much more compelling. It's more, it, yeah, there's some one-liners that, you know, just like, uh, you know, but not grown worthy in a bad way. Yeah. But the ones that, like, it's like, uh, stop, you know, but they're, they're fun. Yeah. And, and um, like, and the chemistry in this is, and the chemistry in the first one was great, but the on-screen chemistry in this, in Reunion from Hell 2, really pulls you in. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Um, just like one, <laughs> we all lived together for the entirety of the shoot. But unlike one, being that two takes place in a secluded cabin in the mountains, um, we were stuck on top of that mountain. And it was literally on top of the mountain. The person who owned the cabin failed to tell us that when we rented the cabin. <laughs> it was literally on top. So we were stuck up there for the entirety of the shoot. So it, it, we really got to know each other and bond in that way and i think it pulls through and shows in the film oh absolutely and i i, I do have a chief i do have one big complaint about this film and i i don't think i've mentioned this to you and all the times we talked about this you know on messenger or anything and that's mark Patton's character is my favorite character in the movie there's not enough of him well, you know, okay, the funny thing about Mark is, you know, I love for my actors, and uh, I love for my actors to turn the characters into who they believe they are. You know, I write it, but I don't expect them to, you know, do it exactly as it's written or, you know, I envision that character a certain way. And I remember the day we shot his first scene, and it was actually when his character is introduced in the movie and um, he turns around and delivers that first line and he delivered it to me 
And the way he delivered it, all I could think was, okay, that's how he's playing it. This is amazing. <laughs> and, um, you know, he had us cracking up in between takes. I mean, even some takes we would mess up because of the way he was playing that character. And it was just so funny. And just he brought so much life to that character than what I even envisioned. Well, and that's, you know, I'm looking at my notes and that, that's what I have is, you know, he's comedy gold in this uh, role is this just reporter who just, he, you know, he wants to cash in on your tragedy, you know, yeah, the, and he, the, you know, the events of one, you know, that, that, that's his sole purpose, you know, make, make his mark on Riley's story, but what? he's so comedic about it. It is amazing. Exactly. And, you know, when you're introduced to his character, you do find out that <clears throat> he did write a book about the events that took place in one. He got a movie deal out of it, and he just keeps hounding Riley and the surviving, the surviving cast members from one. He just keeps hounding them because he wants to just get more and more and more out of it. And... Of course, it ends up not giving too many – not really giving a spoiler away. You can see it in the trailer. It ends up – he ends up right in the middle of the story mm -hmm. that he was trying to create. So, And that – and with the, the level of comedy that he brings in, it, it breaks up some very tense situations throughout the film as he's yes. right in the midst of – this slasher situation exactly and you know he is hilarious but he is also you know the type of guy or reporter you just sometimes just want to knock the crap out of yeah so he is the reporter you want to turn around and shoot yourself but as, as the viewer you're you're watching this and his comedic timing is just on on par i mean just you know couldn't be better exactly and some of the things he did was not scripted at all it was he just did it in the heat of the moment and it would catch us off guard but we were like that's great let's go for another take you um, know i mean so th there's a scene in it, it's in the trailer you guys are coming down the stairs mm -hmm. and like, I think he screams or something. And, you know, it's just the, the way it happens. It's just like, it, it's a super, like the music's just super foreboding. And just this really dark, like ominous scene. And then he he just breaks it up. Yeah. And you can't help but laugh. Exactly. He, he played that role to a T. Um, he played it perfectly. You know, I could not have ask for a better better actor to play that role no and like i said i would have loved to see more of you know th this character and you know yeah I believe, you know who knows you know i believe a lot of fans you know a lot of fans are you know one are part of the character um and he, uh, from everybody that I know that has seen the film, that went to the opening premiere of the film, 
everybody talked about Mark's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, originally when I was writing the script for two, I didn't because, you know, Mark was not casted at that point. Um, so, and again, I didn't know how Mark would play the role. So originally I didn't give that character. He was like the character that just pops up from time to time and just annoys the heck out of Riley and the family. Well, and opposite Mark, who is, you know, they're annoying the family and, you know, just basically badgering the family. Uh, you cast uh, Lydia Manson as Riley's best friend. Yes. And, you know, she plays this, you know, sassy, provocative, you know, kind of super supportive best friend. Like, she is the ultimate best friend. Yeah. And, you know, watching, you know, her, watching her in this role, uh, a lot of her range really shines through. And she has some very emotional scenes in this movie. She really does. And, um, I mean, hats off. You know, to her, because one particular emotional scene she has, I remember watching her film that scene and where she was going in her head to get to that point. And when we holler, you know, called action, she just went into it. And um, I could not have asked for a better person to play that role either. The casting in this film... I believe was casted perfectly. 100%. You know, I mean, with, in regards to Lydia, she, uh, you feel like as you're watching this, you feel the pain that she's going through. And that, that, that is a mark for a, a great mark for any actress or actor, you know, yeah. when the viewer who's not on set but it's just watching, just watching this can actually feel what that character is going through. Well, it's, it's, you know, like I said, you know, <clears throat> or you said, Elena, which is the character Lydia plays, is the very sassy, you know, best friend is always right there. And, you know, <clears throat> once things start going down, her tone really changes in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, cause then we're in survival mode. So it was to watch her go from that sassy, um, ness that she had and the way she done certain scenes, especially with Riley and, you know, to watch her go from that to survival mode was amazing. Oh, absolutely. You know, she, yeah, like you said, she she went from this, you know, just, you know, perky best friend to, all right, let's do the damn thing. And yeah. it, it, it was great to watch. And then, you know, you, you had some other new cast because, unfortunately, uh, Kathy Podwell couldn't uh, make it back. Yes, yeah, sadly, Kathy couldn't make it back for two due to some uh, family issues we were sad to not have her there for two um 
and you can say who was casted in that role, and I'll tell the story about that. Now, let's say, and so we get the uh, stunning Lisa Wilcox cast as yes. your mom for this movie. Yes, and it was funny because originally when I learned that Kathy could not come back, because to me, from in my opinion, one was really Riley's story. Two was more Laurel's story. Um, I mean, Riley's still involved, but it was more her story. Um, and when I found out Kathy couldn't return, I actually said, well, then I'm going to rewrite the whole film. And she said, no, no, you're not. <laughs> this script is amazing. Um, you have my blessing to recast. So I sat back and I, you know, you think about that famous recast in Nightmare 4 with Tuesday Night playing Kristen, where Patricia Arquette originated the role in Nightmare 3. Um, and I remember the first time Yes, first of all, Tuesday brought her own skills to Kristen. But I remember the first time I watched it when she walks up and they say she's Kristen. And I'm like, that's not Kristen because she looked nothing like Patricia Arquette. Right. So um, I was like, I've got to find somebody that is talented enough and looks close enough to Kathy and I sat back and I started looking through things. And <clears throat> if you look at first of all, Lisa was talented enough to take on the role. And if you look at a picture of her and Kathy next to each other, they look like they could be sisters. They yeah, look so much yeah, alike. I, I made that mistake when we were working on marketing stuff, if you remember. Yeah. <laughs> they, look, <laughs> they look so much alike. So it was a perfect recast, um, and that was important to me because I didn't want people like, well, who is this? You know, that's not Laurel. You know, I wanted it to at least be the talent and for her to look as close as Kathy as possible. Well, and as much as Mark is the comedy in this movie, I think. Lisa and the way you wrote Laurel is the heart. Yes. Um, like I said, two is, was always in my mind as being very much Laurel's film because she went through a very traumatic experience at the end of one. And you got to think, you know, I say the end of one, her, you know, her entire, entire world came crashing down. Yes. So it was, where do we take this character next to show that she's trying to move on with her life and she holds on to what she still has? And I've always said that I felt with two, um, Laurel and Riley are both ready to die, but you're not going to get to the other one. They're basically willing to die for each other you're not going to get to in laurel's aspect you can kill me but you're not going to get to riley and in riley's aspect you can kill me but you're not going to get to her right you know and 
in regards to moving on and holding on to, you know, what she has, we see James Stokes return as uh, Sheriff Mike. Yes. Who we find out is now in a relationship with Laurel. Yes. And that was a lot of fun to, um, you know, James uh, had a very small cameo in the first film. And um, I wanted to give Laurel that, you know, hope, like you said, her world come crashing down at the end of one. Um, I wanted to give her, you know, that spark of life and show that even though the events of one are still with her, she's trying to move on and all she has left in this world, in her mind, is Riley and Mike, and then a new character, which I'll let you say who plays that character, but I'll say uh, a new character that comes in to the picture named Clay, who is her brother, her baby brother. That That's all she has now. Uh, now, I, what I, I, I really liked uh, James's uh, portrayal of Mike in this, because you get to mm-hmm. see two versions of Mike. Yeah. You get overprotective Sheriff Mike. Like, he's, you know, full cop mode Sheriff Mike. And you also get to see the more gentler, like, and I think he refers himself to himself as just Mike. You know, so yes, there's like Sheriff Mike and just Mike. Yeah. And it is clearly two very different mindsets. You know, of like essentially on the job and family man. And it's exactly it's fun. Isn't the right word to watch uh, right word to say, but it's, it's so nice to watch the uh, switch throughout this movie of, you know, career man, you know, career cop, stern, protective, alpha male to I'm here for my family. Yeah. And um, there was one in particular scene, and gosh, that scene took a lot out of me. Um, It was a very emotional scene with him, and he kept me going during that scene um, because we had to do so many takes of it. Oh, I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah, it's a long scene, and... um, I have to go to a very emotional state and Mike, even though he is not Riley's father or stepfather, he still takes control of the situation and has that fatherly, what's the word I'm looking for? That fatherly fill in, you know, the, the father figure. Yeah. For that, that scene. And, it, you know, it's funny. This what's now a two movie franchise started with the death of Riley's father. Exactly. And now in two, Riley has two father figures in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, Mike who's dating his mom, and then there's Uncle Clay, played by Danny Hassel. Yes. And Danny, as Uncle Clay. The, the best way I can describe Clay is he's everybody's favorite uncle. You know, he's that uncle that you just 
know, he's the one that'll give you your first beer, you know, will, you know, take you out back behind the barn, smoke your first joint with you, you know, do, do all that stupid shit with you. But at the end of the day is there when you need him. 100%. Yes. And, um, I loved working with Danny. I just absolutely loved working with Danny. Um, and Danny's very much like that in real life. Uh, Danny's yeah. very laid back, down to earth. Um, but to watch him play Clay, you can tell he's also very protective of Riley and Laurel. Um, especially in certain scenes, um, you know, he goes into that protective mode um, because I think he may have felt even though he's younger, his character is supposed to be Laurel's younger brother. Um, I think he may have felt that once Riley's father died, he had to, you know, step up and, you know, try to take control and help. Um, and I think he may have also felt, you know, a little bit of regret of how Riley handled the events that took place before one and Riley leaving town, that he wasn't able to get through to Riley. Oh, 100%. And I do have notes on, like, the rest of the supporting cast, so if you're listening, I'm not leaving you out. There's just a lot of you. Yes. Um, <laughs> And I, I, will, I will post my full review in the episode description. It is a spoiler-free review, so don't worry, listeners. I'm not going to ruin the movie for you. Trust me, I want you to see this movie. You need to see this movie. Uh, there, There is a scene that I, I have to mention, though. It's not in the trailers. It's not giving anything away. But it makes me laugh every time I watch it. The character, Julian. Yes. Is at the cabin. Yes. And we see, you know, Sheriff Mike in Sheriff Mike mode. Yeah. And he throws him out of the cabin. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't just throw him out of the cabin. He straight fresh princes his ass out of the cabin, chucks him out like Uncle Phil did jazz. And it is the funniest yeah. thing I've ever seen. Like, I, I, I can't watch that scene without picturing the, ah! you know, and it's it's hilarious. Well, you know, that wasn't scripted that way either. It was scripted that Mike, you know, got him out of the cabin, but them working on it together decided to do it in that aspect. And they came to me and said, Sam, who, you know, co-directs with me and said, what do you think about this? And we were like, oh, my God, we absolutely love it. You know, because you know, uh, again, it goes back to what I was saying about Mark. It it adds that little bit of comedy right when it needs to. Yeah. And anybody who grew up watching The Fresh Prince, you see, <laughs> you see Julian get chucked out the door. Yeah, and, and that, you have that, to chuckle. <laughs> yeah, well, and that scene happens right after a very tense, yeah, emotional scene. Um, so it lightened it up just a little bit. Yeah. Well, and, you know, all this circles back to what I said at the beginning about being leaps and bounds better than the first one. You know, it's, you know, the, the first one, it was very, you know, straightforward. Just it started and 
that train once that train was on the track it just it it just kept going forwards yeah watching two it you guys knew when to pump the brakes yeah well we learned from the first well yeah everything's a learning experience yo and 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 i think that's what ultimately and all, all the learning curves show in this you know because the adding the comedic timing adding the you know just the, the tension breakers because it, it's it'd be really easy to just make it all tense all the time yeah but the way this plays out it is the movie is an emotional roller coaster it really and is you hit all of them whether it's you know you're laughing with the cast or you're you know you're you're on the edge of your seat waiting to see what happens you know you're you're riding that roller coaster right there with the fans i mean right there with the cast and it's it's a hell of a thrill ride yeah well you know with this with the second film um this goes back you know obviously the second film is christmas themed and one of my favorite christmas horror films is black christmas absolutely and i wanted to have that tension that was in black christmas but if you go back and you watch black christmas there's so there's tension you're sucked into it but then there's that comic relief from margot ketter and you know the cop with john saxon and there's little bits in there that to break away from that tension Mm-hmm. I said you have you have to break the tension, otherwise it, it'll become this monotonous movie, and it, it can't just be all action, all kills. You know, it, no, it, especially in something like this where you're trying to tell a story. Exactly, and it was it's always been important to me through both films. You know, yes, I love. I love, I'm a horror fan. I love Friday the 13th and, you know, all the horror films, but I've always connected more to horror films where you get to know the characters, you care for the characters, and then when something bad happens, you don't want them care, those characters to get hurt. And then it hurts even worse when, sadly, they are taken out. And, yeah, th- that's the thing. It's You have to have characters that you care about. Otherwise, what's the point? They're just fodder. They're, yeah, they're body count. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're just there to get killed. I say, love them or hate them, you have to have some form of a reaction to their death. You're either happy they died or you're pissed off that they died. Exactly. And um, you know, I want it to again build up that tension because with two. You as the audience knows we are we are being stalked and we are being watched. Um, we got a lot of the point of view shots of the killer watching through the window, and we have no idea that we are in any kind of danger. And when we find out, yeah, we don't have time to process it. It's time to fight for our lives. So I wanted that. Had, there's a certain scene in two that absolutely creeps me out um just one well there's a bunch of them (laughs) 
but uh, this is a fear I've always had, and it's um, where Riley, he's asleep in the bed, and you go with the point of view of the killer, you know, through the cabin, up into Riley's room, and the killer just lightly brushes his hand across, like, uh, Riley's hair. And it's just, it's, it's terrifying to think that there's somebody that is stalking you and I mean, basically playing cat and mouse with you mm-hmm. and you have no idea until it's too late. The, the way the killer is written in this one is a lot, a lot more methodical, a lot darker. Yes. Uh, and he's very sadistic. Yeah. It's, it's very, very sadistic. And you know, that, that's the other thing. There's a, uh, contrast in scenes the dark scenes are very very dark and you know the scenes that are meant to be more lighthearted are very lighthearted so yes. you know you have that you know so when you get into like the darker more menacing spots you know it's menacing i mean there's no question about it, it, it this is Oh fuck! Something's going down. Yeah, and you know, I don't want to give anything away, but if people have seen the trailer, they know that there's a new mask. Mm-hmm. The killer's wearing a new mask. Now, Creepy I don't want to give away the backstory. <laughs> I don't want to give away the backstory to that mask. I will let them watch the film and find out. Uh, and yes, it is extremely terrifying, and it was. Uh, you know, there's pictures of us on set all playing around with that mask and, you know, having uh, uh, having the mask on each other's faces and, you know, all of that behind the scenes. But when it was time to shoot a scene and he's in the get-up and in the mask and has that big knife in his hand, it was not hard at all to act scared. Not, I'd imagine... You know, like I said, I've, I've watched this a few times, and so, I mean, you get to the point where you know it's coming, and you still jump, and you still tense up yeah. on the rewatch. I love that. Yeah, and, you know, and I, again, I don't want to give anything away, obviously. There's a certain character's death that the audience knows it's coming. Mm-hmm. They know it's coming. Um, this character, all I will say is, how do I put it? This character's put themselves in a situation where if they don't get out in just the right moment, they're done with. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that death is extremely brutal, brutal. Like, the killer just goes to town on that person. Um it was, I mean, it was, even watching it be filmed and the blood and, you know, him, you know, doing the knife, it, it was just freaky to watch it be filmed and you knew it was fake. You know, I mean, yeah, the, the deaths are brutal, the stakes are higher. So what's next? Um, well, I guess I can tell. Um, I'm working on the first draft for part three which will be the last one in this franchise because this 
is a trilogy, so it's to wrap it up. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. Spoiler, everybody dies by a nuke at the end of three. Just, just going to nuke the movie. <laughs> that, that, that's how he's going to finish the movie. Killer just nukes well, everybody. You know, it, it, it gets to a point with these franchises that it just gets mundundant. Like, I think that's the word. Oh, monotonous? Yes. I mean, how many times... How many people can hold a grudge against one person? Right. That, you know, they just, all these people in each film come out and decide, oh, well, I'm going to try to kill this person <laughs> again. Um, and, they, you know, it, for me, it really gets to a point with some of these franchises, and I'm like, I've lost interest at this point. Well, and in your franchises, uh, well, in your trilogy's case in particular, at what point does the family stop getting together? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, like, yeah. it, it, this for my family, and shit keeps going down every time we got together, we'd never get together again. <laughs> well, you know, that's one thing um, I will say about three. I'll give this much away. We do a... a five-year time jump in between two and three. So these characters have had five years of peace. They really believe it's over. It's and then it hits over. them like a they it hits them like a freight train when it starts up again. It's like the listeners who think, you know, we're done talking about reunion from hell two on this podcast. It's never over. <laughs> I think it's what the third this yeah, this is like our third episode about this. <laughs> yeah. But each time there's always more to add, so I don't feel bad about it. So yeah, it's my show. I'll do what I want. Exactly. <laughs> but no, it's you know I'm glad we were able to sit down and actually, God, finally talk about the movie. Um, I know. <laughs> like I, I know. I've been waiting been to have long... this conversation. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, and to be able to do it at Christmas time, yes. being that the movie is Christmas themed. Um, which, ironically, I've noticed that all of a sudden there has been this resurgence of Christmas-themed slashers. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this come out of nowhere. Like, like I did Reunion 2, and one had, when I did Reunion 2, one had not been done for a very long time. And then suddenly there's just this resurgence of them. Well, see, I, th I think um, what happens is it's much like the uh, monster crazes. M movies, you know, the movies come in phases. You know, we had the zombie phase. We had the vampire phase. We had, you know, and that, that's kind of where we are now, where it's, you know, we'll have the holiday movie phase, and then we'll go back to, uh, like, single slasher movie phase. And then, you know, it's, right now, I just, we're, we're in this block of like holiday themed slashers and I am yeah. here for every goddamn one of them. Exactly. And it, there's not enough of them. Um, you know, of course I love the classic Christmas movies like a Christmas story and, you know, all those family home alone, all that. But, you know, I'm a horror fan and I want a Christmas horror film. To Hell, watch it here give me a Christmas story as a horror film. 
You know, Ralphie like, gets his Red Rider BB gun and goes on a shooting spree in well, his bunny know, costume. Exactly. And oddly, I don't know if you know this or not, Bob Clark, who directed Black Christmas, also directed A Christmas Story. Yeah. So, I mean, it'd be perfect. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, like you said, it's a resurgence. We finally have one in Thanksgiving, um, which I enjoyed so much. Um, that movie was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, but we are having this holiday. It's almost like in the 80s, I guess you could say, where mm-hmm. Halloween was done and then Friday the 13th and then, you know, prom night. And- yep. And it was like, okay, what other holidays can we capitalize on? Yeah. You know, Valentine's um, Day and, you know, ultimately with, uh, you know, we, we got Groundhog's Day as uh, Happy Death Day. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, yeah, we're in this resurgence of holiday-themed horror movies, and I can't wait to see what comes down the pipe. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the slasher, uh, again, resurgence started, oddly enough, where it, it went back to its original roots, where it originally started, when they did Halloween in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then Slasher started coming back. Yeah, that, that and kicked then, it all off again. Yeah. And then, you know, we got Scream 5 and Scream 6, and which was refreshing because for so long, all we had was little ghost girls or ghost boys movies or found footage films and it, it had gotten to our the torture porn films and it just gotten to a point where those were tiring and now if we could just get new freddy and jason the circle will be complete yeah yeah and uh you know i do know I, they are doing a prequel show on peacock to friday the 13th and i cannot think of the name of it right now um but i do know that Adrian King is returning in that show. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap this up for the year, where can listeners follow you and order physical copies of reunion from hell Two before it hits streaming? Um, they can follow me on my Instagram. Now my Instagram is private. You will have to um, request. To follow my page but it's easy to find me it's just it's Hayden Newman and the photo is a photo from behind the scenes of reunion from hell 2 where it's me and Danny and Lisa and Mark standing in front of the Christmas tree um, and then it's just Hayden Newman on Facebook as well now my Facebook is not private but you know Facebook you you got a request anyway so say or head over to the reunion from hell Facebook group and Watch for more details there. Yes. And as always, listeners, I will put those links and my review in the episode description. And you can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com. Or if you just want to find me, head over to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Moose Media Inc. Just follow the moose. And Hayden, as always, this has been a p- absolute pleasure. 
Yes, I had so much fun coming back on the show, and I thank you for having me back. And um, all I can say is I hope everybody's ready for it, and um, I want to wish them all a Merry Christmas and thank them sincerely for all the support that the first film has got and the excitement for the second film. I couldn't have said it better myself. Watch for Reunion from Hell 2 streaming probably within the, I'd say, conservatively within the next six months. Oh, sooner than that. I'd say in the next two months, if not sooner. And order your physical copies through Hayden and tune in tomorrow for another installment of the 13 Horrifying Days of Christmas. And until next time, Horror Hounds, mash on.